Hi folks, just a content warning about this episode before we start. There are some mentions of self-harm and healthcare issues relating to gender dysphoria and women's health. If you feel you're impacted by any of the things that are mentioned in this episode, please do see the show notes where there are some links to some services that you should access. Thank you. Welcome to season four of the Coffee and Geography podcast. The aim of the show is to get to know, explore, and celebrate the diverse and intersectional range of people and their love for the world. Join your host, Kit Marie Rackley, and have fun exploring all the myriad of ways guests can connect their lives to geography. Today, let's listen to Empathy Through Common Struggles, Electrolysis, Facial Hair Stories, and the Geography of Healthcare. Got your brew ready? Great! Enjoy the listen. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a very strange episode of the Coffee and Geography podcast. Um, disclaimer at the very start. I might sound a bit strange because I'm kind of um, brimacy. I've got some rictus. Um, and I'll, I'll come back. I'll come back to that. Do you know what rictus is, Abby? Do I know what rictus is? It's going to come relevant later. Okay. Um. Um. I've heard the word. I'm <laughs> probably in my um, panic here. Um. You'll, I'll go. Oh yeah. I knew what that meant. Yeah. But the reason is, everybody, is because I am currently laying horizontal <laughs> on a on a, a medical bed, if you like. You're on a couch. On a on a couch. Yeah, I'm on a on a nice cozy couch with all these cushions, and I'm just chillaxing and relaxing. And you're going to hear a beep every now and then, um, and I'll explain what that is because I am in the middle of some electrolysis <laughs> treatment um, for um, hair removal for my gender dysphoria. So, um, and I'm with the wonderful. Um, Abigail Best, who's my electrolysis... I don't know, what do we call you? Electrolysis technician? Oh. Beauty technician? What do we call you? Well, I'm an electrolysist. Um, but if you're American, then maybe I'm an electrologist. Okay, I didn't realise there were two different terms. Well, there are, but um, we interchange them like vacuum and hoover. Um, oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> you're having epi- electroepilation, actually. Okay, um, yeah. But we all call it electrolysis. Awesome. So, I mean... I- Everybody in the podcast knows I have an American family, so I can make fun and say, you know, Americans, they do want to do call oh, things differently, don't they? I they mean, do, they do. I but mean, who's, who knows? They might not be wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, folks, this is, we, we're giving this a go, and Abby has really, really kindly agreed to this, um, to see how we go recording a podcast episode while I'm undergoing electrolysis. So, yeah, it's going to sound pretty strange, but, you know... We're, we're all geographers. We like to do things a bit wacky and differently. So, um, so uh, as you as you're already aware, Abby, you know that the majority of people listening are probably educators, teachers, students, um, geographers on on the loose term, probably as well as the hard yeah. term. Bless them. And uh, listen to me. But um, but uh, we've been. Uh, I mean, I've been undergoing treatment. What is this? Ten uh, hours or something? Yeah, 11 or something? yeah. You're about nine and a half hours yeah. in. Yeah, out of. 16 I think it is that's isn't it? it yeah so um I mean I'll try and make everything as geographically relevant as possible for our listeners 
Um, but yeah, the face. <laughs> yeah. yeah, actually, uh, my my previous guest, uh, Ian Kelman, uh, the author and uh, professor mm-hmm. of disaster, I think it was disaster management. He actually, I can't remember what he said, but he actually gave. There's actually a word to mean the geography of the body. Oh wow! Uh, and it was quite a complex word. So, folks, you've hopefully you've listened to that episode by now, and you've he, you say what you said, but. There is actually a term for the geography of the body, which is really, wow. really oh, interesting. I did not know that. I'd love to know what that is. So, yeah, so uh, Abigail Vest is an electrolysis and um, who does treatment both privately and on the NHS, which is how I came to you um, after my three and a half year wait on the waiting list. <laughs> yeah, um, talk about time. Yeah. So, uh, so Abby, we'll start with, now usually, because it's called coffee and geography, we usually talk about the drinks, but of course we're not drinking anything while you're zapping my face. No, uh, so, it's a bit impossible. But do you have um, when you're not when you're not sticking a, an electrical needle into people's faces? Is, is there anything you like to drink, or are you do you are you a coffee drinker or a tea drinker? Uh, yeah, I'm probably an addict of coffee. Really, it's a good job. It um, doesn't hinder my work. <laughs> um, although I don't know. Um, yeah, coffee, coffee. I'd say. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, but I I am sort of in remission ish from about ten cups a day down to three. <laughs> So. I've never heard the, ter- the the word remission be associated with coffee before until now. <laughs> well, I'm just I'm just trying to gloss over the fact that I drink <laughs> way too much coffee. Yeah. yeah. Is there any particular coffee you go for? Oh no, there's there's no um, you know I'm not an aficionado or anything. Um, <laughs> the cheapest the better, but not quite too cheap. Um, like I don't want the floor sweepings, but um, <laughs> instant mainly. Yeah. Um, okay. And then anything I can get my hands on when I've run out and forgot to put it on the Tesco order. Fair enough. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah it's just so. Um, I know. I know, Abby. You you uh, you went through. I mean, I was here going through physical pain, but you went through the emotional pain of listening to one of my podcast episodes. Oh, it wasn't because uh, you were interested in what it sounded like. Yeah, it was the Trekkie one, I think. Oh yeah. Well, that's right. Was it with Sean? Was it Sean? Uh, Fer- I can't remember which one I did. No, but... it was. There was a lady as well, wasn't there? Oh no, it was with uh, Katie Nicolau, yeah, the meteorologist. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she's, very she's amazing. Yeah, so, and then, and it was just hilarious that you said, oh, you know, actually, that quite, sounds quite fun. Yeah. And so now I'm sitting... And now with, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so folks, I've got my portable, uh, my dictaphone podcast on my chest. <laughs> um, it's going well so far. Yeah, so far, so good. Yeah. And um, and so every little, if you can hear, you should be able to pick it up, but every little double beep you hear is an electrical pulse being sent through the needle Um to the base, so, so I'm going to see if I can remember this, and then then Abby will oh, correct me. Because yeah. let's see if your induction, you know, <laughs> my consultation, your consultation stands solid. Um, so, <clears throat> so a needle gets inserted, kind of next to or around a hair and the follicle, to the base of it, which, and then the double beep is a double, basically electric shock, which fries the base of the hair follicle <laughs> which makes it which basically severs the nerves or something like that and then you pull you pull you pull the hair out with, an, with tweezers oh my god um, how close am i or how far um, away am i well we do need to train you up properly i think yeah um so do you want me to tell you the proper yeah folks because okay. you know it's, it's um, interesting. so you insert the needle which um is essentially a piece of 
metal, uh, thin metal, the size of a hair, into the hair follicle, mm-hmm. down to the base of the hair follicle, and then you release a high frequency, and in this case, shortwave diathermy current, that cauterizes or desiccates um, the base of the follicle and the microcirculation. So you're destroying the follicle's ability to produce a hair, but at the same time, we can then lift the hair out without traction. So um, electrolysis kind of scream in horror when people say pull the hair out because Mm, um, we're not um, we're lifting them out and you generally shouldn't feel them coming out at all so that's how you get your clearance yeah no thanks well so i got like like maybe like a (laughs) no nerves c plus well um, i'm thinking maybe a minus to a d (laughs) because um, there's no nerve severing going okay, on yeah. at all well, so your ability to move your face and talk and not drool is still intact <laughs> in all fairness um yeah i mean that makes kind of sense because where i feel pain folks is not is not at all when it comes to like having the hair removed or anything like that it's kind of i suppose the, the shock it, itself is what i feel yes yeah, i don't actually feel the needle going in and i don't and it's the, the the sensation of the hair coming out is actually very. Yeah, it must be quite good. It's very minor, actually. Yeah, it's. Yeah. So, so that's what you can hear. So, um, we'll we'll come back. We'll try and make the geographical links to, you know, why people undergo this treatment. Why the hell am I subjecting myself to this masochistic process? Yeah. Um, but you roll your head right over towards yeah. me. Yeah, and uh, a approach, bit more if you can. Yeah. You'll, you'll obviously you'll hear Abby give me instructions and stuff like that, um, which which will probably sound familiar to the dentist. You know, like <laughs> move your head, tilt it this way. You know, stop backing away from me. Yeah, don't run away. Um, so let's let's see if we can stick to the podcast scheme as much as we can. So we're in a little village. Um, I mean, your 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 location is public, isn't it? Because of your oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, I can yeah. mention it. So yeah. so we're in a little village in Cambridgeshire called Yelling. Um, it's not too far from Cambridge itself. Uh, what are we about? Fifteen minutes from Cambridge. Oh, an extremely 20? good day. Well, an extremely yeah. good day with fifteen minutes from yeah, Cambridge. Yeah, about twenty, maybe. Yeah, yeah. twenty twenty-five. But it's quite a rural area. You definitely would consider yourself as rural Cambridgeshire, I guess. I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, we're under Huntingdonshire. Oh, oh Huntingdonshire. Yeah. Yeah, we are okay, under Huntingdonshire. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we're a bit weird, really. Come under lots of guises. Ah, okay. Um, yeah. Huntingdon so, District Council, but we're kind of, are we South Cambridge, South East Cambridge? Oh, I don't know. Okay. See, that's where my geography is absolutely rubbish, so I really don't know why you're podcasting me, because I'm useless. <laughs> no, um, it's, um, yeah. because we know that county, you know, obviously county lines and district lines are quite, oh. quite firm on a map, but when it comes to living yeah. and experiences, they do seem a bit blurred. I mean, like, for example, where I live, you know, in in the Waveney Valley in the Norfolk Suffolk area, oh, wow. um, you know, I might be under South Do- uh, Norfolk District Council, but yeah. you know, there's a lot of dealings with West Suffolk Council, you know, and then we're not too far away um, from things like I think it's Broadland Council and stuff like that. So you know, there's a lot of who are we actually talking to, and who do we need to? And of course, we've now got this thing where folks, where geographically, used to be really interesting, is that we're having our because it's an election year, 2024, we're having our um, constituency changed. Mm. So we're not going to be in South Norfolk constituency anymore. We're, we're going to be a new constituency called Wavy, Wavy Valley. Wow. So 
do roll your head away from me. Yeah, which... And then just a wee bit more, roll it away. That's yep. great. Um, and that makes sense in a way because the communities of where I am, they, they are more of a Waveney Valley community. You know, there's the, where I'm from is we relate more to the folks across the border in Suffolk than we do, say, to the folks just south of Norwich because that, that is about half an hour away. Whereas the folks in West Suffolk are five minutes away. Yeah, it's a bit bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. So um, have you lived in uh, in this area all your life or have you come from somewhere else? And... Oh, God. Uh, right. OK, so, yeah, I was born in Herefordshire. Um, I could have been Welsh at one time. Wow, um, OK. Yeah, but I wasn't. Um, <laughs> yeah, born in a little town that nobody knows. Um, and then all of your pod, poddies will mm-hmm. um, probably know it. Um, Lempster. Um, OK. Or Leo Minster, if you want to say it how it's spelt. Um, yeah, and then uh, moved to the Midlands uh, to train as a beauty therapist, and then started with the Open University. Met my husband at Keele University. Moved up to Lancashire where he lived uh, for a few years, and then uh, I think when my daughter was two, so she's now nineteen. So do the math. Um, yeah, we moved to Great Paxton, um, near St. Neats, and we've been here ever since. Oh, wow. So, so I've, I'm a bit transient and a bit nomadic, um, but I'm now settled. So, you know, that, <laughs> you say, what, you, what am I doing in your podcast kit? But that in yourself makes you, by life experience, a geographer, because you have got all these different experiences of, oh, of quite contrasting places of the country, really. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it is a little bit. Um, not that it's geography, but maybe the geography of language too is, um, you know, you try buying a simple bread roll in Clitheroe in Lancashire, um, it becomes quite traumatic because uh, <laughs> there's a fair few words for the same thing. Um, so, yeah, if you want a bread roll, you might want to ask for a balm cake, tea cake, bap. Right. Um, yeah. And when you're a poor soft southerner and you just want a bread roll with some butter on <laughs> and you don't know the language of the north, um, it gets a bit tricky. But yeah, yeah, I guess I've travelled. I've travelled quite a bit, really. That's that is that. Yeah, that's come up quite a lot with my chats in other podcast guests is like the geography of language and, and, and accent and culture through language. Yes. And like, you know, we had a little ju- I think it was with... Um, uh, I was speaking to Bob Digby, who's a, who's a big name in the uh, geography um, teacher community, um, and I think we were having a bit of a jive and a joke about how you have make have your cream tea because he lives kind of like <laughs> near the Devon Cornwall border. I have no idea, and I always forget how you're exactly, meant to do it and where yeah. you're meant to do it. So I would probably be um, heckled out whatever, of the county. Whatever tastes the best in my opinion. Oh, yeah. But um, yeah, so and you've given a really good example of like difference, and I'm wondering whether there's that's the banter between northerners and southerners is that you know the southerners seem a bit bit a bit common and a bit stale and, and whereas the northerners are like more rich and they're more vibrant and uh, but I, yeah you know, I, I don't know it's I mean, all set it's all obviously nonsense but yeah but I mean even moving here um I mean I furkle around in my handbag quite a lot <laughs> and um I furkle around for things but I can't find them um, and my so friend, that's the word I heard <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Um, and my friends here um, wondered what the hell I was talking about and uh, <laughs> whether it was something dodgy. So I did ask my mum, who is from London, 
um, whether she furkles. And she said, of course I furkle. She said, I furkle around for everything always. She said, because I'm 85 and I'm losing my mind. Um, <laughs> and oh. so it's come from her, but she doesn't know where that came from. Um, How interesting. But yeah, as a family, we furkle around for things. Yeah. So I mean, is it the same as faffing? Um, or is it different? Well, furkling for me is when you are literally hunting around, say, in your handbag for the item that you require that is being rather elusive. Oh, okay, um, right. So it's more about trying to find something that you want or need at that moment. Um, yeah. So oh, it <laughs> never occurred to me that furkling could be something dodgy. Yeah. And I don't even know if it's in the English dictionary or not. But well, It's yeah. common enough. But yeah, yeah I mean, um, that's actually, actually that, that makes sense because that sounds like that's a word that's actually got a niche because... Faffing doesn't quite cut it, and no. rummaging doesn't quite... It's almost a, an overlap between rummaging and faffing. Yeah, I think so. Well, you're faffing around furkling. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. quite, I do a lot of faffing around furkling. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah. So um, the question I always like to ask Abby, and it's, it's a tricky one, and people that, and people that go, go at it in their own way. Okay. So, don't, so there's, no, there's no set way of answering this. But what I always like to ask is that, especially when people have moved around a bit like you have... Mm. Is, is how that's kind of like formed their identity. And you've already given an example with language. Uh, yeah. You know, so like, even though you now live in this part, you know, in the east of England, mm. um, you know, is there any part of you that's still like Herefordshire, you know, in your soul or, or anything oh, you brought back from Lancas- Lancashire? Or? Okay. Um, I think um, I think it's got to do with age and stage of life and mm. experience as well. Um, so I feel most at home here, I think. I think my roots are settled here. Right. Um, so I love Cambridgeshire and I love this house and I love this village. It's a beautiful, um, so you've got a beautiful setup. It is, yeah. yeah. Um, but do I have an affinity to Herefordshire? Um, I think most of my family, none of my family live in Herefordshire now, mm. bar my mum who lives, still lives in Leinster. Um, and I don't know, Lempster's changed so much that I, my only connection is my mum, really. Right, and yeah. I guess um, when that time comes, um, maybe I won't have a connection to it anymore. Um, I don't know, but it will always be, um, I guess my soul will be there as in you know from my childhood and I'll have all those sort of wonderful memories of being brought up in Lempster sort of on the outskirts um so there'll always be that connection but there'd be no reason for me to want to go back I feel more comfortable here I right. think um I can access everything you know I you can go to London you can go up north you could go to the coast um, so I feel like this is a really great place to be in where mm. you can have the best of everything. But I can also just shut myself off in Abbey World and, um, <laughs> and uh, you know, um, hide in my comfortable little home, yeah. really. Have you, have you always been, because um, when you've listed all those locations, it, you know, you say you're the mom, your mum's from London, but you sound like you're very more of uh, a someone from the boonies from from rural areas well it's funny because um when I was a child my mum um my mum was saying that she heard me go I'm going for a bath 
or something mm-hmm. like that. She did exaggerate it slightly. And she was absolutely horrified and thought, I'm going to have to send her to elocution lessons because it's <laughs> bath, not bath. So I guess that was the Hereford thing. But um, interestingly, my daughter was born in Clitheroe in Lancashire. Okay. And I remember when she was about one and a half and she went, no, mummy, no. <laughs> and I'm like, Jesus Christ, she's a genius. I'm phoning up Mensa and I'm hopping around the hallway when my husband came home going, she can read the no stop cube label. And he's going, no, <laughs> Abby, no, it means no. And I'm like, yeah, no, look, she can read it. And he went, no, it means no. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> God, um, she's turning into a northerner. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah and that's how my mum came to say about me and bath you know um, but I don't know uh, I don't know whether my accent I don't know what my accent is it changes I yeah. think I I mean every place I've gone to I developed a really bad Birmingham sort of Midland accent when I moved up to Lancashire and then when I came to Cambridgeshire I developed a really bad northern accent as you can tell um <laughs> so god knows what will happen if I leave Cambridgeshire oh um, yeah I, I don't know um, yeah there's, there's so many parallels with with my experience of like first of all where I'm from in the Harlow and Essex I don't have really any links there anymore no and a lot of my a lot of my childhood was you know I had I had a, a good decent childhood but there's a lot of trauma you know yeah. from it as well um and so I don't the only time I ever kind of say or ever joke with like saying things like oh yeah you're, you know I'm such an Essex girl or something like that <laughs> is um is 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 completely in in, in, in jive and in banter you know it's like yeah. especially when I'm hanging out with with friends who are originally from Essex themselves or you know you're just joking about being like life of the party or something like that yeah. and we know we know it's not it's not unique to Essex or anything like that, or, or that we're, you know, it's only people from Essex who are hedonistic and stuff like that. You know, it's <laughs> it's it's not. You know, it's not the case at all. But we, so you play on that joke. But in terms of the the stereotype bantering yeah. of being from that part of the country, which is obviously completely a false stereotype, um, I don't really have any connection to back there. No. And so where do you think you're settled? Oh, I'm definitely, definitely now East Anglia, Norfolk. So, because uh, it was where where I started to find my identity was particularly in Norwich. Yeah. Um, and folks listening to the, I won't go over this again because yeah. folks in the podcast have found it before, and I've told you, <laughs> I mean, I've actually, you know, told you as well, uh, as well. But um, and of course, as as the thing is that, and I don't, I don't know whether podcast listeners have actually picked up on it, whether my voice is any different from, say, the first or second season, because this is now season four. But, you know, my voice is going to change as well as I go through, as I continue to go through the the transition process, because um, I'm, I'm still on the waiting list for voice therapy mm. to bring my voice in alignment with my gender identity. And, and so, and I don't know how my accent is going to be then. Like, am I, am I going to retain any of the kind of, north london essex accent or any of the north i've picked up or is it just going to be my my pitch and softness that changes so yeah. it's such an interesting well it'll be very exciting to yeah. hear it change and you'll have to well you have you've got your podcast so yeah. you'll be able to hear yourself record. yeah you've yeah. got a record of how your voice has changed i guess i should have recorded my voice as it <laughs> changed from no, maybe i shouldn't have. nobody wants to hear how bad my uh, <laughs> well you've already heard how bad my um Lancashire accent is. Oh. 
But our voices, and it makes a good point actually that I've just thought of is that, you know, I've, we've already talked about it, but, you know, voice and language is actually a good measure of geography because mm. not just a physical geography of like where you're from, yeah. but also your personal geography. And, you know, the way that my voice has changed and my voice will change is, is, is a measure of, of personal geography because, because it's about how society, you know, because geography also looks into things like societal changes, development, um, culture and things like that. And, and so the fact that I feel the need to change my voice is a product of, you know, society and culture, which is something we study in geography. So, mm. um, yeah. It's, but do you have a telephone voice too? Do I have a telephone voice? Um, yes, I do, because I get, <laughs> I often get misgendered on the telephone because mm. you can't see me. So yeah. when people when people see me, they can see, you know, the fact that I've got, you know, I've got, I don't mind saying it on the podcast, folks, I've got breasts, I've got, um, you know, I've got long hair, I've got, I'm starting to get a more rounder face and softer skin and, you know, and I'm, I'm quite feminine in appearance. So when people put, a, you know, visuals to the voice. Um, it's not quite what. Yeah, it's it's unexpected. It challenges their conception, their misconceptions, and and their preconceptions. Mm. Um, but if they just only hear my voice at the at this point in time, like nine times out of ten, it's still "Hello, sir. How can I help you?" or something like that. Mm. Um, and one day, yeah, and I know that it on some some days are better than others, but some days um, it can be very dysphoric, and other days I just shrug it off. You know, just say, "Oh, you know, I'm not." I'm not, I'll just, you know, you can call me Kit. So, yeah. and I like being referred to by my first name anyway. So, cause I don't really like honorifics. So <laughs> I think they're a bit outdated. Someone will call, you, call you Lady Kit. Lady Kit, well, you know, I might settle for Dame one day, Dame. but I'll have to earn it. After all your yeah. educational extravaganzas. <laughs> oh. Yeah. The climate, energy, and cost of living crises has us all thinking about how we power our homes. If you're looking to switch for any of these reasons, see if one of Octopus Energy's tariffs is right for you. Octopus Energy are not sponsors of this podcast, but they do supply the energy to the house where it is made. If you make an informed choice to join Octopus Energy, use the referral code READFOL15. That's READ, as in the plant full as in a young horse, and the number 15 to split 100 pounds. The split received by us will go directly towards continuing Gia Grambling's education efforts, like paying the subscription to maintain this podcast. If you missed that referral code, check the show notes for a link. Right, so coming back to what you're doing to my face right now. So, so far, folks, it's been going okay. So I absolutely lathered on the numbing cream mm. about two hours ago. And I managed to get an, I managed to get the uh, eco-friendly biodegradable plastic wrap around my face to stop it from drying out. I look like an absolute muppet, but... Um, it's a look. But I've, it seems to be working quite well because this is relatively comfortable so far. Well, let's hope I don't go out the geographical area of where you applied it. Yeah, exactly. Um so let's let's talk a little bit about why you have you know clients come to you and obviously you're not going to mention any personal no. information because you've got patient 
you know, practitioner GDPR. confidentiality, GDPR, that kind of stuff. But I know that there are things people will be interested in knowing yeah. from a cultural geography point of view. Gosh, okay. Why people <clears throat> undergo this procedure. I mean, I've, I've already said my piece about, yeah. I can go into a bit more detail about gender dysphoria and things like that and, and gender incongruent, congruence, <laughs> which the NHS <laughs> have diagnosed me with. But yeah, I mean, you must see people I, for various reasons. I see all sorts of people. So I guess for me personally, my biggest client base are transgender clients. So I treat gender dysphoria sort of for face and pre-surgery. Mm. Um, and a lot of that comes privately or through the NHS. But I also see um, people with polycystic ovaries. Um, they have a big issue. Uh, people with general dysphoria, um, hereditary conditions, so it, that could be cultural, um, mm -hmm. genetic, ancestral, um, hirsutism, um, it could be due to any hormonal imbalances, perimenopausal, menopausal right. ladies, yes, yeah. so there's all sorts of reasons really, diabetes, although that's quite tricky, um, yeah, so there's there's lots of reasons why people might need to come and have permanent hair removal um mainly on the face but quite often on the body as well um just men maybe um male clients that get skin problems um i seem to be getting more um male clients wanting male pattern hair growth removed from the face sort of um under the jawline due to difficulties shaving maybe um their hair suit you know they've got too much hair um, mm. curls up over shirt sleeves and out of rugby tops and things right, like that okay. and it's becoming more um of an issue uh, possibly a dysphoria for them too um yeah. so it's becoming more of an issue now and becoming more common for me to get inquiries about that as well so all sorts of reasons yeah so um i don't know if you've ever had to address this question <laughs> yourself but um and i've and folks, if you're listening to this, you know, you are, you know, because I used to probably because of internalized transphobia and whatnot and misogyny that uh, in the past that I probably thought this as well. In fact, I did think stuff like this as well, um, was that when somebody might think like, well, isn't this all just a vanity project? You know, why should NHS money be spent on stuff like this? What, what usually do you say to things like that when people say, well, you know, it's, Why should we be using NHMO for people to feel they well, should be shaving? It's, it's really hard, isn't it? I mean, um, I can see both sides of the story. But, mm. I mean, the NHS was set up, wasn't it, to help people um, primarily um, and to provide a service to the community for free as such, although we pay yeah, through free our taxes. Yeah, free to the point of yeah, use. Of, service, of use, yeah. so to speak. Um, and that's incredible. Um, I... if. The easiest one is the pre-surgery, um, and that's the easiest one to answer. So pre-surgery is down below um, mm -hmm. so that you can change the genitalia. Um, and that's actually essential work because if they operate on you and you have hairs growing inside the cavity, then um, that results in more operations and that can result in tissue failure. Wow. So there's the reason why they offer it for free because it's life's a, it's life-saving because of dysphoria. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've had clients that have tried to, um, you know, self-mutilate 
themselves out of desperation. So it is life saving, but also it's saving money in the long term. I mean, surgeons can do what's called follicular scraping, so they can remove the follicles that way, but it's not guaranteed or 100%, whereas Mm. electrolysis is. So that's that one. That's easy um, for me to justify. Um, And it is hard because I guess I'm submerged into this world. Um, this world of transgender issues and concerns so I am much more empathetic about it than some people might be um the face is a trickier one um well facial hair isn't considered feminine I guess Um, at least in at least in western in western cultures cultures, yeah absolutely and so you're meant to conform to the ideal of what a woman is and what a woman looks like less so now I think I think in the past it's been a lot trickier Mm. and you know a woman wears a dress and that's what you're meant I mean a lot of trans clients are more women if you go by that than cis women are because you know I I, well 100% of my life is in trousers I've not touched a dress (laughs) do you know what I mean so it's it's quite it's quite interesting um how it is but yeah, I, facial hair is not acceptable among a lot of women, Western women. It's not, um, I mean, I have a lot of Asian clients too that hate the hair growth they've got, mm. but it's it's ancestral, genetic, it's cultural, and a lot of people accept it. Um, but if you've got gender dysphoria, um, again, I guess that could be life-threatening too. Yeah. You know, I have clients that literally are hacking away at their faces, plucking all those hairs out and you can imagine the hundreds and hundreds of hairs um, that I take out in a two-hour session and, yes, it, and it doesn't impact initially until you get that kind of clearance that permanent clearance evolving mm-hmm. um, so there are millions of hairs then can you imagine trying to pluck all of those out yeah, um, yeah. in a session so um, it is difficult be- um, but I think it's important and, you know, you pay your taxes, you pay your national insurance, um, you're entitled to feel happy. Um, you know, we could say the same thing about alcoholics that damage their livers, couldn't yes, we? You know, yeah. why should they have uh, a liver transplant or a smoker? Why should they have a lung transplant when they've done that to themselves? And, you know, you don't do gender dysphoria to yourself no, you um, yeah. so in some ways if you look at it from that point of view maybe it's more worthy I I, I don't know so there's um, if we're going to pick holes in why somebody should have electrolysis on the NHS and um, not something else or I think the tricky thing for me is that um, a lot of my polycystic ovary clients they cannot get treatment on the NHS right. for hair removal That's except in very very rare cases um and so that's a tricky one, I think. Um, right. And I it, it's not, that. yeah, and it's not fair. No, it's um, not. But it is what it is. Um, but, you know, things move forward and evolve and change. And um, it's, there's no point getting het up in these things. Mm. It's, um, it's trying to change things positively in a positive way yeah. and move towards that equality, I guess. Where yeah. everybody can receive what they need, but you know, poor, poor old NHS is struggling, and Absolutely. it's trying to do it's trying yeah. to do its best um, for everybody under uh, really difficult situ- conditions. You know, yeah. 
and there are always going to be people that lose out at certain times um, because of it and it's not fair but it's the reality of how it is at the moment. Oh it totally is and, and I think what you've highlighted here is it's just one of just so many examples of how uh, for example like trans women and, and cis women cisgender women have a common fight. They do have know? a common fight and it's yeah. actually more it's more often that cis and trans women have you know have have things that they common, commonly fight for they're not and so you know the current moral pan- panic where which has been drummed up it's complete false narrative and almost nationwide gaslighting to say that they're in you know an opposite trans and cis I, yeah right so it's just it's just unfathomable to me really i think there's you know there's a lot of parallels and a lot of yeah. things that everybody could empathize with other people about um i think it's just certain yeah. parts of society that like to cause ructions and problems and yeah. um i was reading something uh was asian it might have been a black person that went to talk with somebody that was part of the ku klux klan and right. he oh, actually right. yeah. yeah he actually after making friends with him you know just through talking and building a relationship he came away from that um he right. clan, yeah. and he's can, he's managed to get a large number of members to leave because they realized that you know those that false concept that they've been brought up with is yeah. false you know <clears throat> yeah. um, and so talking I guess is a really great thing it might take time and people can be impatient but yeah um, you do have to talk and understand your commonalities I think and that you know you do have a connection and a kindredness you know with different situations and problems and, yeah. and that you can empathize with that yeah and the people this podcast know know that I'm trans but in a in the in a good sense um, you know, and I, and I mean this because I know that they feel genuine about this. They really couldn't give a monkeys because they're here no. for the geography, you know, yeah. and and <laughs> they. And be, but because they're here for the geography as well, <clears throat> they're interested in my identity from a from a geographical yeah. point of view because it is because we're geographers because we love the fact that the world is mm. so diverse and the world physically and human wise. So, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't. But if you want to talk about geography, so for mm. me, the concern I have is that I'm the only NHS oh, yes. electrolysist. I mean, my clients come from Norfolk because there isn't an NHS That's electrolysist, you know, there. So I have to be able to provide that service for a a wide geographical area mm. and um, that's really difficult because there are some incredible electrolysists I'm sure out there in Norfolk well I know there are but they're just not NHS yeah, at so the moment they're not accessible, yeah. they're not accessible. Um, so you know people travel great distances you know I have people that take a train take a bus then walk you know, from Papworth, which is a 10 minute drive away. So 20, 30 minute walk, you know, that, so the geography of trying to get here to get that treatment is incredible. Um, I can't believe, yeah. Well, thank you for bringing that up because I remember when I was given the list of NHS providers (laughs) and I was like, (laughs) I was like, well, this also plays into, 
come like certain privileges you know the fact that i can drive yes and not only i can drive but because i've got an electric car it's relatively cheap for me to drive as well yeah um so yeah i remember looking at a list and thinking crikey the closest one i've got is i think it was yourself yeah and I, th- I think it was Bill Ricky in Essex was the, was one as well. <laughs> that sounds lucky. Yeah, should be on the other side of the world. Yeah, and I think the mm. other one was Peterborough. Yeah, I think they were the three closest. So of course, the whole of Norfolk, the whole of Suffolk, mm. and North Essex yeah. are not served. No, you know, and it's, they are served. They're served but, by yeah. me and a couple of other people that don't even live in that area geographically. Correct. So, know, yeah, so they, they, there's no local provider. There's no local so, Yeah, provision. but they're served by yeah. yourself. Yeah. Um, and that, and, and this circles back to uh, when we had the census in 2021, like the first ever time, and it was an optional field of being asked about your sexual orientation or your gender yeah, identity. Because, I remember somebody saying about that. Because perhaps one of the reasons why we have this situation is because there is just no official data of where trans people and where gender non-conforming or LGBTQ individuals live. So yeah. the services are not spread out appropriately. Yeah. The fact that my nearest gender identity clinic was Nottingham, mm. um, but they've opened up like a sub-office, if you like, in Cambridge. Yeah, There's still none in Norwich or Ipswich or something like that where you would expect they would put one. No, so, and I guess they aim for centralised areas and yeah. some people live next door and some people have to travel. A postcode lottery. So folks, yeah. when... I think circling back to what we were initially saying about why do people come on electrolysis and things like that is I I don't sit on an NHS waiting list for three and a half, four years. And some people I know, bless them, are on the waiting list longer. To have my face pricked, which can be quite <laughs> yeah. painful. Yeah. Um, well, it, it's not just quite painful. It's yeah. really horrible sometimes. And, and, and I've got, you know, it's not just that. It's also not, ha- you know, I can't shave for 48 hours beforehand. Um, so that obviously leads to dysphoria, but you have you have the comfort of knowing that you're doing it for a reason. Mm. And then you've, your face looks like a puffer fish for like <laughs> a day or two after. You know, I don't go through this thing because <clears throat> of fun. a trend or for a fun yeah. or because I just fancy changing it's, from male to female. I don't do that. It's because you have to. You it's don't because, have a choice. Yeah, it's because of... So just, better, just you know, whenever... And whenever people say, I need this treatment, and other people may think it's a... An act of vanity. But you have that... Um, Just bear that in mind. Yeah, and you have that um, empathy from my non-trans clients to my... Um, you know, they say, my God, they your clients are here for two hours having electrolysis. Mm. I can only do five minutes. And yeah. I say uh-huh. to them, but your need to have that five minutes of treatment because that's all you need your ability to get through that five minutes, just yeah. multiply that. It's the same for those trans clients yeah. that have that need. They can they can sit through that treatment for two hours, suffering through the treatment. Mm. Um, and it's proportionally, it's the same suffering that you're having. So yeah, there's yeah. another affinity there too. And actually, you can see the ability of my trans clients to sit for two hours having electrolysis yeah. diminish as they get towards the end of their treatment because ultimately they don't need that so their ability to cope with it and even they look back and go how did I do yes, that yeah. well it's pure willpower and the pure yeah. desperate need to yeah. have it done it's not a choice it's you know if it was a choice you'd be like oh this hurts a bit I won't bother yeah yeah I'll just put up with shaving I'll just put up with shaving yeah, yeah but I, well there's two things to say about it. one is that yeah um, you know 
that person's five minutes can feel like two hours to them. Yeah. So, so there's the empathy there. And the second thing is, I think people have already established by now, Abigail, that you're that you're a wonderful human being, and and like Ooh, the wow. fact you know it's although it's a, a pain in the backside to travel an hour and a half to get here, <laughs> you you yourself are worth it. <clears throat> oh, thanks. So. <laughs> yeah, you sure. So you know, <laughs> I, I don't know if everybody, all my clients would say that. I like, don't. Look... The inane whittering that goes comes out of my mouth is um... no. It's always been. You know, I, I may not, I may not look forward to the treatment itself, but I, I, but what makes it a lot easier, and this is so important, you know, when it comes to healthcare and stuff like that, is, is, is the professionalism and the personability. You know, is the fact that it's you doing the treatment, like it makes yeah. the journey worthwhile, and and so I just want to. Oh, thank, thank, you. thank you. you for that. Well, it's my pleasure. I'm glad you trust me enough to do it. Yeah, well, I'm going to have to, of course, trust you. <laughs> you don't have a choice. Um, oh. Hey, educators. If you teach any geography, environmental or human or physical science-based topics, then check out Kit Marie Rackley's website at geogramblings.com. There you will find musings, blogs, resources, analyses, and more. Perhaps you want to brush up, learn, or dig deeper into a geographical issue. Or you're looking for a resource you can use in the classroom. Or maybe looking for someone with an award-winning, diverse expertise and skill set to collaborate with you on a project. Kit Marie offers free 30-minute friendly consultations if you're looking to brainstorm ideas. Jog on to geogramlings.com to explore and find out more. Let's, let's move on to a bit of fun now. Um, okay. And let's see if I can... Yeah, I've got it. So, folks, what I'm going to do now is that I'm going to attempt to do one of the podcast games. Um, okay. okay. Yeah, and I've got... Uh, so we're going to do Barking Up the Wrong Tree, which is where we... Oh, God, I do that all the time. <laughs> which is where I give two stories, and you've got to figure out which one is false. Okay. So I've got two things here to read out. I'm, so I'm trying to hide the, the paper from you. So I, I can't look anyway. I'm looking yeah, at your course, face. Of course I can't. You are. Yeah, I can't. Course. If I'm professional, right. I won't be looking at it. Okay. Um, and just to, oh, just to let you know, folks, Abby doesn't mind anything um, as long as it's within reason for folks to take their mind off their electrolysis. So listening to podcasts or, you know, maybe even if I don't know if you've ever had, have you ever had anybody read a book like this? Um, I have one of my clients. Um, we have a podcast book, so oh, okay. um, so, yeah, books, so we yeah. listen to that, which I really look forward to. Yeah. There you go. So. Yeah. So, so Abby's quite open for people to distract. So I'm holding this piece of paper. I promise like, I won't. <laughs> right. So there's two stories here, um, and one of them is false and one of them is true. So, oh, and they're gosh. both about facial hair, right? Oh gosh. Okay. okay. You, is this going to mean that I'm a useless electrolysist? If no, I no. I, if you know the answer to this, you know, then you go above oh. and beyond. Right, here's the first one. So, um, this is about Alexander the Great. Okay. And, and you know, apparently the reign of beers in Greek mm. uh, ended apparently in September 331 BC because there was a showdown between the Greeks and the Persian emperor for control of Asia, right? So, on that day, he ordered his men to shave. So, um, and actually, the reason why they said uh, he needs to do this is because, well, don't you know that in battles there's nothing handled to graft than a beard, right? Oh. So um, that's what his, some historians have said. So stories of beard pulling in battles were myth rather than history, but um, the real reason why Alexander um, said everyone should shave their face is because 
he wants to he wanted to liken himself to the demigod Hercules. Okay. So, um, which is, you know, and a lot of Hercules are rendered in paint and sculpture mm. shows him youthful, beardless, nude. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Alexander wished above all, above all, as he's told his generals before the battle, that each man would see himself as a crucial part of the mission, you know, and embodying basically this demigod of Hercules, and, the, mm. and then that will kind of like give them a mental boost that they're, un, you know, that they're unbeatable and, un, and whatnot. And they'll look like a heroic commander, all that kind I'm of sure stuff. I'm sure he had a beard. Right. Anyway, so, so that's the fir- that's the first one. So, is that true? The second Gosh. one is from the United States. So, oh, the Americans again. Americans again. <laughs> yeah. So, facial hair controversies uh, have arisen in, in the highest court of the U.S. land, so the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, in 1976, there was a Kelly versus Johnson uh, court case, Supreme Court case, which upheld an employer's authority to dictate grooming standards for their employees. Right. Mm. So in this case, policeman of Suffolk County, uh, New York, no relation to Suffolk, he's saying, mm. um, had taken issue with the workplace standard that barred them from growing beards below their collars or facial hair. Oh. Um, sorry, growing hair below their collars or facial hair, except for neatly trimmed moustaches that didn't extend onto the lip. Right. So um, this court case failed. So the police were allowed to force this grooming regulation on their officers. Mm. Okay. Um, and it continued. So more than a dozen years after, in 1992, Massachusetts police force officers pushed back on this, went to court, but they lost as well. Gosh. So it's been enforced for decades and decades. It's never been rescinded. It's never been um, Ooh, so that makes challenged since. Easier. But employers have largely pulled back from stringent regulations, at least informally. Oh, so you please. will see police officers with facial hair but, but they shouldn't really. the legislation is in a place that they should be groomed, well, but they don't really bother anymore. It's one of those old regulations where they say, oh, it's mm. not actually important. So which one of those two do you think oh, is my true? God. Well, okay, so I've got a D in history. So, um, Good start. Yeah. Um, Hercules. <laughs> I don't think he was clean-shaven. Right. Um, God, I'm sure he wasn't, but I could be thinking about somebody else. Yeah, you could be thinking of the Disney, you know, the Disney oh, movie myth yeah. where he's clean shaven. Yeah, yeah. Um, Hercules. Okay, um, and do the Americans care about? <laughs> I mean, only in the forces where you have to have a what is it, a buzz cut? Yeah. Um, oh God, oh Kit, please. Um, <laughs> oh, the shame on me. I'm, I, I'm. Purely gonna go with. Um, I'm gonna be shocked um, if I'm wrong. Um, um, oh no! I, I, so Hercules is hairy. So that's the one that's the lie for me. Okay, because he's hairy. I, I can yeah. So the, the the true story is the one about the American oh, police officers in wow, New York really? and Massachusetts. Yeah, that they they were. It was actually regulations and legislation to say they must be neatly groomed and neatly trimmed. And that that legislation's never really gone away, but it's not really been enforced. So they could still be pulled up on it. Yeah, they could still be put if if you had to. Re- but yeah, the the the, wow. the Alexander the Great one is basically uh, the the fact that so we know that he he did ask his generals and his um, army to come shave, mm. but they don't really know why they did that. So the theory is. So it might be because beards are easy to grab during battle. Could be, but whiplash. Yeah, but you know, but no one's. And but <clears throat> this thing about shaving to look like you know 
yeah. epitome of youth and strength like, he- like Hercules. Yeah, Hercules was clean shaven a few things, but he was, you know, mm. he, but he, he was seen with hair a few times. So, um, so anyone who claims that it was definitely because of the hair pulling or definitely because to emulate Hercules, there's no evidence to suggest either one. Mm. So that one's the false story. That okay. was the myth. That one's that still out the debate. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So there you go, folks. Um, wow. Okay. So I failed abysmally at both of those. Well, in all fairness, this is a job <clears throat> podcast. Now, which, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so you can be thinking. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Well, anyway, history is just past geography, old geography. Yeah. So. I didn't do so great in geography. Uh, <laughs> I think I got a C in geography. <laughs> That's okay. That's good. We'll, we'll have that. Right. Okay. Um, so there's just a couple of things to finish off with now. Um, can't believe we've got through. Okay, we're probably okay. getting close to the to the five minute five minutes to the hour. Beep, oh so. well, you've got ten minutes to go oh. for your first hour. Oh, there are we you doing go. two hours? Or are we just doing an hour today? We're doing two hours. Doing yeah, two but the hours, podcast is coming to an end now, folks. So um, next thing for Abby to do is the we are all geographers to link to uh, link oh, back to our previous no. guest. Oh my god! Okay. So um, last um, episode we had the wonderful uh, Elon Kelman, the author and professor of disaster management, uh, who <laughs> is quite. Quite famous in the geography teacher world because um, his book Disaster by Choice is used by quite a lot of teachers to help teach about um, you know, natural hazards and how it impacts human life. Um, and he was given uh, the word or the phrase DNA by the previous guest. DNA. And he was quite he was quite clever by how he approached that. He didn't do DNA as in the the DNA. the chemical in your body. You know, the he actually. Did something that stood that DNA stood for in geographical things, mm. folks? You have to listen and listen back, listen back. So, uh, but for you, um, <gasps> Abby, he's, he's given the word rictus, which is rictus. Oh, God, rictus. That's why I have to yeah, R I C T U S. Now, actually, this is very appropriate for you in the job that you do. Okay. So, I looked up the definition online. Yeah. And this is what it is. So, this will help you a lot. Okay. Uh, a rictus is a frozen or fake smile. So, for example, if the star of a play finds uh, themselves overcome by strange fire, they might forget their lines and stand trembling with their mouth twisted in a rictus smile. Right. right? The word rictus often describes a smile that doesn't convey delight or happiness. Instead, it's a kind of maybe horrified, involuntary or painful grin, which is actually quite appropriate for electrolysis. (laughs) And so what do I have to do? So for 30 seconds, Abby, it's basically just ramble. Ramble about rictus. About rictus. I'm going to furkle around in my head. Furkle, that's the word, yeah. yeah. I'm going to furkle around in my head for 30 um, seconds. And it could be anything you like about maybe you've seen so many elements of rictus because of people, you know. You're... Yeah. Are you really smiling? No, you're in pain, aren't you're you? You're in pain, yeah. It's um, okay, well, hopefully I'll get the definition right. I might go off track. Okay, well, yeah, I, I mean, people do grimace. It's that trembly grimace of panic when you <laughs> don't quite... Us British are very good at rictus smiles, I think. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Aren't we? You know, that stiff upper lip, rictus. Um, and we smile inappropriately in very nervous situations when um, we're a bit scared as well, I guess. Um, so I I get a lot of smiles that come through my door. Um, you know, they don't, <laughs> they don't really know who I am or how I'm going to react and they're very vulnerable oh, a lot of my transplants yeah. are very vulnerable and come in with a rictus smile trying to be brave and sometimes it crumbles into tears oh, um, yeah. and um, maybe not as bad as it could be because hopefully I give off a nice you kind do. of caring vibe even before the client arrives 
Um, but then through the treatment, um, that rictus smile, while they try and not um, let their lip and face tremble involuntarily <laughs> when I electrocute them over 200 times in an hour, um, trying to get hairs out um, yeah. and pretend that things are okay. Um, yeah, well, there you go. When they're not, maybe. Well, you I, did that perfectly. A little bit longer than 30 go. seconds, Sorry. but very well yeah. done. Very okay. well done. There we go. Yeah, no, thank you, Abby. That was brilliant. Um, so, And it's just so wonderful, isn't it, that a professor of disaster management has just been linked <laughs> to electrolysis treatment. So oh, there you go. Um, yeah. Right. Um, so, but you get the pleasure now of, of, of a word for the next guest to, oh. to have a crack at. Gosh, okay. Anything? Yeah, um, anything you like. Anything. Can it be as random as random? Absolutely. Well, Richard was pretty darn random. It was. Um, gosh, okay. So maybe something career orientated. Yes. Um, find a word. <laughs> um, Electrocautery is what um, comes to my mind. Electrocautery. That's all I can think of. My mind is smiling rictusly. Um, <laughs> Electrocautery. Nice rabbit in headlights. Electrocautery. Yeah, yeah right. there you go. That's the word. Sorry. No, okay, brilliant. Person. So the next person, electro quarter, you, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna oh. come up with You'll be fine. Yeah. Right. So um, I apologise. Yeah. And and um, so last couple of things. Then, uh, is there anyone you'd like to say say hello to or or Ooh, give a shout out to? Who would I like? All uh, all my trans clients, or well, not just all my trans clients, all my clients. Yeah. I'd say hello to and hope they're okay and apologise for all the pain I put you through but know that I love you all um, yeah and that um, you know I'm very honoured that people come to me to have this and trust me um, so yeah hello to all of them really because Aww. I wouldn't be here doing this job without you oh bless yeah. and um, I guess the best way for people to call if, if they're interested in um, you know private treatment oh, or anything yeah. like that or, or oh. connect with you I guess they yeah. can search for Ab- Abigail, Abigail Best, Best Electrolysis yeah, they and can. Beauty Therapy. But yeah. is there any other way um, officially people Facebook, get hold of you? Facebook. Um, yeah, so via that. Mm. Sadly, um, my books are temporarily closed and that's the state of the situation. There's so few electrolysis that do trans hair removal mm. because they're long sessions. But also for pre-surgery, there's even less... Client, there's even less electrolysis right, yeah. for pre-surgery and um, the load is so heavy that yeah. my books are now closed temporarily yeah. anyway but they open and close as people roll on and roll off their of treatments course. so to speak yeah. but yeah so just through Facebook and social media I'm, I'm lurking around mm. um, everywhere really mm. oh well um, well we've, we, we have another hour-ish to go after this so I'll continue the chat with you but <laughs> For the podcast, Abigail, I just yeah. want to say uh, this. This has actually been quite fun. Oh, um, thank it's, you. And it's um, I'm, I'm not as clever as a lot of your no, um, your don't people, be silly. So you are hopefully I'm not boring. Highly but... talented in your own way, and oh, uh, it's actually really helped the time fly for the last hour. Good, so. <laughs> good, yeah. Good for only, me. We're halfway through. Yeah. glass half full. We're halfway through and counting down. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for contributing to the podcast. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We hope you had fun. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the podcast and give us a rave review. Make sure you share and rate each episode as every time you do this. It helps more people find us and continues the conversation. 
If you fancy being a guest or have any feedback, follow us on Twitter at coffeegeogpod and send us a DM. Or you can email us at coffeegeogpod at geogramblings.com. Until next time, keep jogging. <laughs>